Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Raven Slayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Mighty Boy Chi-Chi, a sex expert a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hello and welcome. You are listening to Adult Bedtime Stories. I am Ladyboy Gigi, and tonight we have Paul. Hey guys. And we have Dr. Jane Flashman. And tonight we're going to be discussing aging in the GLBT community. Yes, there is good juicy sex after 40. <laughs> you bet. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about how you got into the aging yeah. issues with GLBT. Sure. Well, I am an aging lesbian, so it kind of made sense. But you know what's so interesting about this field? When I was going back to school, and I went back to school really late. I was 56 years old when I started. Oh, wow. And I didn't, and I didn't get my PhD till I was 62. So, you know, it was late. I had already had a whole life. I mean, a whole breadth of life. I had a really cool career. I had 
a really cool lover, a series of cool lovers. <laughs> I had two really great kids. You know what I mean? Like I had a life, but I wasn't done yet. And I was thinking about all the different ways that I could apply my new knowledge because I knew I wanted to be a sexuality educator, but I wasn't quite sure. I didn't want to be a therapist. I knew that, but I wasn't quite sure what age group. And so I started thinking about, well, everybody else in my program was talking about teaching kids or parents or young adults or veterans or disabled people. And I thought those are all great, wonderful, fantastic. But nobody was talking about old people. And being an old person, I thought, hey, I'm still juicy. I'm still exciting. I'm still excited. Why not talk about old people? So it's an area that really rarely gets any interest. And I can relate because in my 30s, I realized that I'm ADHD and dyslexic and have a whole host of different learning differences. And this was probably 35 years ago, I tried to start a program for dyslexic adults. Oh, cool. And I couldn't get funding anywhere. They said, oh, if you treat kids, we'll find you. Right, right. That's so true. No programs for adults back then. And they said, oh, they outgrow it. <laughs> right. And, you know, for older adults, first of all, sex ed was so bad when we were in school. I mean, if you had it at oh, all. Yeah. And wait, what state are you in again? Texas. <laughs> so there are some states where you don't even have to have medically accurate sex ed. Think about that. Mm -hmm. Like you can, you can spread lies and it's okay to teach kids information that's wrong. Anyway, so for many people, if they had any sex ed at all, it was pretty bad. It wasn't very, it wasn't very inclusive. It didn't include people like you and me. But then 40 or 50 years later, they're still having a sexual life. They're still excited about life. They're still having relationships. And they've never had any really structured sex ed for all those years. And, you know, what's kind of funny was that when I was growing up, I was always too young to have sex. You're too young. You shouldn't <laughs> be doing that. Uh -huh. And then I reached my 40s. You're too old. You shouldn't be doing <laughs> sex. And I said, wait, did I miss something? When <laughs> am I supposed to be able to have sex? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the same thing happens when I talk to older adults who want to have a new relationship. Say they were married, they were heterosexual, and their spouse died, right? Yeah. And, and, they want, and now they want to have a new fling. And the kids who are now like adult age children say, wait a minute, mom, wait a minute, dad, are you <laughs> sure you want to be having sex? It's almost like the parents of the little kids doing the same thing. So I find that really interesting. So anyway, I decided that I wanted to study um, queer populations uh, who are older. Yeah. And for my research, I did a really interesting study of sexual satisfaction of older adults who were in same-sex or same-gender relationships. And I looked at all the difficulties and the challenges, but also all the areas that help facilitate sexual pleasure. Yeah. And it was great. I really learned a lot. And my mind was blown because people really, I 
you know, I just had assumptions that I shouldn't have had, but I did anyway, because I live in this world. And people just blew those up really quickly. Oh, yeah. And I remember in the gay bars, even at the age of 35, you were too old. It's like cruising the gay bars. You had to be a very young 20, barely 20 something to be attractive. Right. I mean, there's a there's an interesting queer theorist, Jane Gallup, whom you may have read from uh, that class that I met you in with uh, uh, the South Shore sexual health folks. Yeah. Um, she wrote a book where she she says that older sexuality defies the procreation myth of heteronormity. Mm-hmm. So it's as queer as queer can be. She also says that a lot of older adults who have a chronic disease or are in a wheelchair or are significantly disabled are still having sex and they're queering the notion of penis and vagina intercourse is the only kind of sex that means sex, right? All those kind of things. So she posits these three worlds, aging, disability, and queer theory, or she calls it crip theory and queer theory. So interesting, right? And I think she's got a lot to offer. I mean, I've been reading her book, my mind is blown when I think about how interesting that is. And most people say, oh, when you get old, you're all washed up, you're over the hill, you're frail, you can't get it up, you're too dry, you know, all these terrible things that are like all negative stereotypes. But in fact, older adults are having a great time having sex. Well, I'm 65 and I fuck like a bunny rabbit still. All right. There you go. There you go. And those bunnies, they don't even know it. Yeah, that's right. And it gets better when you get older. <laughs> it sure does. Well, you don't because, have the same you don't have the same performance issues. Exactly. And, right. Right. And, and the research yeah. shows that actually people want to have sex for different reasons when they're older. They want to have sex because it's fun. Yeah. Because it's comfortable. Not so much because they like need this intense release. They're having a good release, but it's not a need, it's a want. So interesting. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, What are some of the things you found in your research? Well, I'm so glad you asked me. I looked at um, a group of people who I thought would have some really serious internalized homophobia. I figured because they grew up at a time where you couldn't come out uh, legally. Uh, You could have gotten fired from your job, lose your kids, lose your marriage, lose your family, lose your home. Hell, you so could have I, been arrested at one totally. point. Totally. Many people did get arrested in the bars, etc. Mm-hmm. So I decided that I wanted to look at their sense of self. So I looked at first, the first variable I looked at was internalized homophobia. So I'm going to ask you guys a question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think that people in who identify themselves as having a same sex or same gender lover who are ages between 60 and 75 would have high internalized homophobia, medium or low? What would you think? I would think low. What do you think, Paul? Um, I, I, I've seen both, honestly. It, mm-hmm. it honestly kind of depends on a lot of different factors. Of course, my main basis for the last 20 years has been the Burning Man community, the pagan community, and the radical fairies. 
Okay, so now that is a very, very interesting segment of our population. Oh, yeah. What, so, and also, you're right, anecdotally, we've seen it go both ways, but the statistics that I gathered was that it was very, very low, which is kind of cool, right? Yeah. It means that you get old enough and it's like you say, basically, fuck it. You know, like, I don't care what the world says about me. Mm. I know who I am. Okay, the second variable I looked at was resilience like how well can you get yourself back on track when things don't go well like you lose your job you get you get sick you lose your lover whatever it is how well can you get back up so ready high resilience medium or low that same group i was only looking at one group i would say high <laughs> yeah probably high yeah yeah you both win okay absolutely and why do you think it's high like what what gave you that idea well life experience really like totally, totally. after you've been through enough slings and arrows on this you know on this world like you get better at dealing with the slings and arrows you're so smart paul you got it and people have been through everything they've been through the wars right and so and I if think you're... in my case, being ADHD, yeah, I was highly resilient even young. Sure. Because sure. I'd been through so much as a little kid. Sure. I could just bounce back. I mean, I had, I actually had a principal get down on her knees and beg me to just get through one day. Oh, wow. getting in trouble. Wow. Was in tears. And that was so inappropriate. Yeah. Well, also dyslexia can make you very resilient too, because yeah. you're constantly trying to figure out a hundred times more than everybody else. You're just, oh, exactly. your brain is going. So, so those are two individual kind of characteristics that I looked at, but remember my goal was to figure out what, what would be the predictors of sexual satisfaction for these older queers. So then I looked at relationship and I looked at sexual communication. What happened was relationship satisfaction was also very high. Oh, so wow. we had high resilience, high relationship satisfaction, and then low internalized homophobia. So there's like this triangle. For folks who are listening to this, they can't see me, but I'm drawing a triangle. So you can do this at home. Okay. Then they were all correlated. Then what I found was that relationship satisfaction predicted sexual satisfaction. Mm. And the sexual satisfaction was just moderate. It wasn't really high. It wasn't really low. It was just the middle. So what I learned was, remember, you know, the, the marriage and family therapist will tell you, oh, just fix the relationship and the sex will follow. Well, we know as sex educators, sex therapists, that's not always true. Oh, yeah. But if the individual is feeling good about themselves mm -hmm. in terms of who they are as a queer person, in terms of their resilience, in terms of what they bring to this world, then their relationship will be better and their sexual satisfaction will be a bit able to be much better. So I'm on a path, I'm on a mission now to teach people about this and it's kind of cool. And I decided after I did my quantitative evaluation, which is, you know, good for a dissertation because you get it done, but it's yeah. hard because you don't get all the stories. I decided to really start thinking about getting the story. So that's when I wrote my book, which is interviews with LGBTQ elders on sex, yes. aging, 
and activism. And I would love it if we could put a link to my book in your oh. show notes, because I'm so proud of it. I may never write another book, but I wrote this one. And I'm so pleased. And uh, I interviewed cool people. So, yeah. Well, I don't know if you know her, but and she was she was back in the 90s. Her name, was, I think it was, oh, her last name was Coble. Uh, I don't know that name. She was very active in the, as a bi, bisexual advocate, but she was an older woman, and she went to nursing homes all over the place and was doing how to yeah. have sex in the golden years. Oh, that's what I do. That's exactly and, what I do. But anyway, she was going to nursing homes, and primarily it was, you know, there's a more women than men in these nursing homes and mm -hmm. she said you know it's okay if you get it on with another woman mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and gave them permission and all mm -hmm. these women were like oh i'm gonna go out with mary tonight <laughs> and got excited well it's not as easy as that i mean well, it's, no, I it's mean, sweet, it's sweet but, process, but... but there is there is a real sense for a lot of older women like mm -hmm. Maybe that heterosexual marriage I was in for all those years isn't the only thing that I have left in me. So, yeah, I think, you know, Lisa Diamond and other people have done this really interesting research on sexual fluidity. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. It's just you have to get over the head part. Like yeah. I had an image of myself as this and now I have to realign myself just like people have to realign their sexual script when they get older, because maybe their back doesn't work for them to be on top mm -hmm. anymore. You know, whatever it is, they have to really think about it. So, you know, I'd say there's a lot of really great education we could do for older people. Yeah. It's And it's really worth While it. While we're on that topic, what are some of the better positions for people with physical limitations? Right. Well, good question. So if you have um, a prolapse, for instance, if you have a prolapse uterus, you know, it's better to be on your back than on your stomach and if you have a, a well if you have a prostate issue it'd be better not to have any pressure on your prostate mm -hmm. um i have seen some really interesting toys that have been developed for people with penises whose penises don't get as erect as they used to or oh, it yeah. takes longer or it is at a different angle than they are familiar with and so there are some great in fact, there's one that's so cool. You basically put the penis in it and then it allows the penis to feel as if it's erect, even though it's not. And so it's almost like a cradle that really helps for someone who really wants that kind of penetration that they are used to. Um, well, but there's so many positions, you know, for somebody who can't lay on their bed anymore, you know, just sit up on a chair or on the edge of the bed. You know what I mean? There's so many different ways yeah. that you can think about. If you're used to being on the kitchen table, well, that may not work so good anymore and if, for an, if your hips aren't working. Yeah. And for an <laughs> older male or in females too, does practicing daily pubococcygeus muscle exercises help restore some of the functioning? Yes and no. There are many, many muscles in the pelvic floor region. Mm -hmm. And Kegels, the ones that you, yeah. you know, many people are familiar with, are good, but they're not the best. And so you need to talk to someone who's like a 
specialist in this, a pelvic floor physical therapist would oh, be great. Okay. And those people will tell you, use your adductor or your abductor muscles, you know, um, squeeze your knees together, pull them apart a little bit with a, uh, put a tennis ball between your thighs. Try to think about all the different muscles because there's a whole sling of muscles in that pubococcygeal area. Exactly. And you've got to really um, be thoughtful about making sure that you're not getting too toned or you're not getting too um, uh, tight. Yeah. 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 And I know that lubrication can be an issue. Another issue. Yeah, you're, you're really pulling them all out. Um, one of the things that a lot of people with a vulva or vagina have noticed as they get older is their personal lubrication doesn't work as well mm -hmm. because of a decline in estrogen there isn't as much estrogen being produced and so that also inhibits the amount of lubrication that's produced in the skein's glands etc and one of the things that i often tell people is and i wish i were here in person with you but there are even um lubes now that are developed for older adults so oh, wow. like here's one that i like a lot it's called uber lube u-b-e-r-l-u-b -E -E. it's nice little packaging here too here's how you spell it uh -huh. and what's great about it is oh okay yeah it doesn't it doesn't have any impurities mm. it'll work with your toys so it works with silicone and it has some vitamin E in it, which is good. So oh, yeah. there's a whole new raft of ideas out there and help out there for people who are older who may not have as much lubrication or may not be able to get erect. Well, for our listeners, do you have a website if they have specific questions for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love for people to write to me. I love when I get emails. So here, I will give it to you and it's uh, it's just my name, janefleischman.com. Oh, and I've great. got tons of resources on there and lots of good uh, resource lists, et cetera. And yeah, if you could put that, that'd be great. And people yeah. could write to me right there. You can contact me on my website. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, that'd be so cool. I would love to hear from your listeners. I bet they're fun. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned your book earlier, but you didn't tell us the name of it. Oh, thank you, Paul. It's called The Stonewall Generation, LGBTQ Elders on Sex, Activism, and Aging. And All it was right. published just this past year in 2020 by Skinner House Press, which is a nonprofit arm of the Unitarian Church, and they're pretty cool. Oh, I love you, you. Me too. A lot, mm -hmm. of, uh, a lot of queer people have been drawn to the UU because they're pretty cool and pretty inclusive. Oh, and yeah. they just they just made my book a, uh, a topic of a webinar that they're doing because I interviewed 10 different queer elders in the book. And there are trans and bi and gay and lesbian and, you know, they're um, different races and different experiences. And they're just such cool people that the UUs are going to interview some of the people from my book and make a webinar out of it. Isn't that great? I'm so oh, excited. That's great. I know. I'm really excited. Awesome. Uh, Dr. Fleischman, I've got a question. Okay. Um, so since you've been involved in research and activism and things like that, one thing I've noticed growing up is that it seems like right now there 
I feel like when I was much younger, there wasn't as much mixing of the generations and LGBTQ spaces as there is now. And like, how different is it now, like when there is a lot more crossover of the ages and, you know, people just sharing space together and like working together to promote LGBTQ rights versus how it was, you know, even a few years ago? That's such a great question, Paul. I remember my first trip to Puerto Rico. Have either of you ever been there? No, no, mm. I haven't. No. So I went to a uh, bar, a women's bar, okay? Mm -hmm. And for the first time in my life, I saw older lesbians dancing with younger lesbians. Oh, how cool. And they were doing partner dances, like dances that live through the generations, merengue, cha-cha, you know, so many dances that I didn't do because I was doing all the like wild and crazy rock and roll dances. And the women who were older than me didn't know the wild and crazy rock and roll dances. And I didn't know their dances that were more traditional. Isn't that interesting? So that was like 40 years ago. Wow. But, what I, but what I think about your question that's so insightful is when the early, what they called gay rights movement started in the yeah. late 60s, early 70s, people weren't even fighting for rights. They were fighting for the right to love. Mm -hmm. They were fighting for the right to have sex. They were right. They were fighting for their lives and they were fighting for liberation, truly sexual liberation. Yeah. And the first pride march, the year after the Stonewall Tavern rebellion occurred, was really a, just a, a wild, amazing parade through the streets talking about fighting for liberation. And now, fast forward over 50 years later, and a lot of the new kind of pride parades, et cetera, are a lot about like what I think of as assimilation or how do we, how do we live in this society in this way, in that sort of mainstream way? And I'm noticing that since COVID and since George Floyd's murder and since all the activism from last summer, we're seeing a lot of these pride committees getting overturned by the younger folks who are saying, uh-uh, I don't want to do that mainstream assimilation thing anymore. Yeah. I want to really go back to what it was like in the beginning and really Sylvia Rivera, Marsha P. Johnson, uh, Miss Major Griffin Gracie, who was in my book. I mean, people who were like really out there on the streets fighting, who said, we're not going to take it anymore. And, you know, the gay rights movement has often looked like a white male gay origin. And in fact, we know that's not really true anymore. Since yeah. Stonewall turned 50, we've learned you know, butch dykes and trans people and drag queens and fairies and people who did not conform to any gender mm -hmm. norms were right in the lead. And so let's really think about that. So I love your question. You know what else your question reminds me of, Paul? What's that? That in the 80s, when I was fighting for civil rights for gays and lesbians, that's as far as we got in those days. Mm -hmm. The gay men were used to fighting by themselves. The lesbians were used to fighting by ourselves. 
But it wasn't until the HIV AIDS crisis that we started working together. Yeah. And, and women started taking care of our brothers and brothers started really working with sisters. And the next thing we knew, there was much more of a real coalescing. So isn't that interesting that, mm -hmm. and bisexuals, if you interview them today, I was just reading some research on this, say that that was a key point where they felt much more um, part of a movement, even though bisexuals were, you know, reviled by the mass oh, media. Were. You know, those are the people who started the AIDS crisis. And yeah, believe it crazy. or not, bisexuals were actually kind of frowned upon in the gay and lesbian community. Oh, no, it was no, no, you have to tell me. It was unbelievable. I mean, there was there were fights. I remember running, running a meeting once where the bisexual women didn't want to say their names. You know, when you go around the circle and everybody says mm -hmm. who they are, they don't want to say their names because they were afraid. So, I mean, this stuff is real. Oh, and, there's, is. and there's biphobia yeah, today. Gay bars and leather bars for being bi. Sure, sure. I I have no doubt. Yep. Yeah. And that was in what, what state was that in? Texas. Yeah. Oh, and and in Florida. Oh yeah, yeah. I went to a trans bar and got kicked out of a trans bar. Um. Two bi and two. I expressed myself as intersex, so I had all the wrong pokey parts. <laughs> and the trans community in florida just found that disgusting so that's not you weren't right you weren't I right, right. Yeah. i was somehow yeah. broken and wrong yeah yeah and you know for me there is no normal gg yeah. you know normal is this this uh setting on my washing machine and that's the <laughs> only time i use it and i don't like i don't even like the word i never use it anymore because i feel as if it just excludes 99% of us. And so mm -hmm. it it hurts people more than anything. Yeah. Um, you know, well, one of the people, people that try to pass as normal or who are. Oh, yeah. Quote, yeah. Normal, I know. Feel like, oh, and my, when it comes to sex, they feel like, oh, I had the have this kind of weird fantasy. I'm not normal anymore. I know. You know, um, do you know this um, porn star, Jessica Drake? Have you ever heard of her? Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I've heard of her. So she's pretty famous. She yeah. teamed up with a senior sex educator, Joan Price, who is 77, by the way, oh, and wow. is totally, totally amazing. And pretty hot for the two of them. The two of them teamed up and they made a film about senior sexuality called Wicked Sex, Senior Sex. And it's great. That's and cool. in it, they didn't use people who were actors in the adult uh, film industry they just used regular old people and so they got two couples it was very hard for them to find but they found two couples who would be willing to have sex on screen and you know with a lot of people around it's complicated with like lighting oh, yeah. and all this <laughs> stuff and they interspersed the scenes the sexual scenes with Joan Price talking about some of the issues that come up for older adults like mm -hmm. responsive desire versus direct desire all that kind of stuff and it's great. It's so great. And it really says, you know, this is okay. This may not look like what you thought sex was going to look like, but this is okay. And yeah. I think that's one of the things I love about the pagan community. We have our pagan festivals and then Burning Man too. Yeah. And we have the Rebels fire or the big Burning Man fire. Yeah. And people are dancing around naked around the fire of all ages, shapes. That's great. Colors. That's great. And 
everybody's having a good time just being in their own bodies. Yeah, the, o- the only experience I've ever had like that was at women's music festivals yeah. where clothing was optional or at Body Electric. I did a lot of um, training with that school. And, oh, Body Electric's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, clothing was optional and you just do whatever mm-hmm. feels good as long as you're not, um, as long as it's all consensual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, And I think the thing that I find so beautiful about it is that everybody's admired for who and exactly who and what they are. Right. right. Not all right. the makeup artists and the hair designers and right. fashion experts. Right, 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 right. Like they are just people. Yeah. Celebrating being people. <laughs> you know, I learned a lot about body shame when I went to Body Electric because I learned that no one is completely symmetrical. <laughs> Everybody's got parts that drop a little bit more than other parts and <laughs> stick out more than they're supposed to and stick in more than they're supposed to, all those things. And as soon as I really uh, took that in, and it's hard to take in because I had had years of enculturation of like, this is not good, this is not good. I really... Um, it really changed my way of thinking about myself and my sexuality. And it really, I think it changed the way I became a parent also, because I could really pass that on, that love of body right. to my children. And I have to say, you are beautiful. Oh, aren't you the sweetest? Thank you. Oh. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> it's very kind. Oh. <laughs> Oh, we're to station break time. Boy, the time flies. Well, I've gotten the new website up. It's ggwilber.com. And it's my sex coaching website. I still have my old website up, but I put a link to my new website on on ravenslayerleather.com. So check it out. Learn about what sex coaching is all about and and about some of the things I provide. I have more than just sex coaching. I've got training films and videos and things to explore on the new website. And so I've got a whole lot of information there. So check out ggwilber.com. And we also, on our old website, have the Patreon page. If you'd like to support our show, and we could definitely use the support, feel free to give a dollar a month or make a donation, one-time donation if you want. But we could certainly use some money, and we would be very appreciative. Anything you want to add, Paul? Just to let our listeners know, the way that you spell the website, G.G. Wilbur is the letter G, then another G, W-I-L-B-U-R dot com. Some places promise you a change of scenery. Others show you the world in a whole new light. Take Isla Morada. Between the brilliant sunsets, azure skies, warm, clear water, and endless activities, including legendary sport fishing and diving, Isla Mirada will take you places you've never been before, in more ways than one. 
For more about Isla Mirada and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash Isla Mirada. One of the things I'm working on is creating a more sex positive world that is more, you know, it's like I just spent, I'm almost finished reading Come As You Are. Oh, great. Yeah, it's great. And, and oh, and she has a new book, too. Did you see the new book? No, I haven't. It's about um, it's about stress oh, and how it. we hold stress inside of us. And we really oh, yeah. and she wrote it with her with her sister, her oh, twin cool. sister. Yeah, that's oh, Emily yeah. Nagoski. That's her, a good book. Yeah. In her book, she talks about how when a baby's first born, nobody goes, oh, that baby's too fat or what? too thin or right. th that baby's got a mall on the, her, its side or. No, they all accept the baby just as it is. Yeah. And I you love know, that concept of so great. Where do we lose that? I know. Through the culturation process. You know what I wanted to ask you about? Um, I've been thinking a lot about this lately. Um, I just lost my dad about three months ago, and he had a, a cognitive um, neurological disorder, Parkinson's disease. Oh, and, yeah. And it's a yeah. tough disease because it, both affects your um, ability to be limber because you lose your dopamine. You mm. still produce dopamine, but you can't uh, retain it. Yeah. But you also lose your, your cognitive uh, awareness and uh, hit a lot of hallucinations at the end. It was really hard for him. And he was a great guy and a really great father. And one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about is how you go about talking to an older adult who has lost some of their cognitive function and they become a bit impaired. When you're with a baby, this is what reminded me of this when you said it, Gigi. Yeah. When you're with a baby and the baby can't yet communicate, you figure out ways to communicate with them. You mm -hmm. go, hmm, that tastes good, like rubbing your belly, you know, or bye-bye, uh -huh. you know, you, you push your hands out or something. You are much more apt to be forgiving with a baby who can't, make themselves mm -hmm. understood but when yeah. someone has um, a form of dementia where they've lost the ability to produce words or to comprehend words and they can't really make themselves understood and can't understand you why are we so loath to help them with it the way we would help a baby you know what i'm exactly. saying like why yeah. are we why are we not allowing them to just have a little bit more patience. And if we could just take a little bit extra time, we would understand what they're saying mm -hmm. and not shame them for it. Exactly. And it, yeah. And it goes for sexual choices as well, right? I mean, people yeah. are always asking me, well, how do you how do you allow an older adult with dementia to have sex? Well, how do I allow them? They have sex. Yeah. <laughs> they're gonna have sex. <laughs> and, and and they get to decide whether they're for our elder yeah, right. listeners. I give you permission to have sex from <laughs> yeah. the grave. <laughs> me too, me too. And I want to tell you, older listeners, there is no expiration date on your fantasy life or your actual sexual life. Have mm -mm. fun with it all. <laughs> <laughs> and I like to say that because too often we think we buy into that myth. Oh, you're too yeah. old now. Yeah, yeah. And it's so supported by family members. Right. I know. And um, family members get really worried and protective. But also, I think in the gay male community, there may be some um, sort of youth oriented notions of 
who's got the flat abs or whatever, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> but that's only a part of the gay men's community. I mean, look at look at the pagan community or look at mm-hmm. bears, you know. Bear, like, yeah, I was about to say the bear community. The bears are so great and they tip really well because they eat well and they want to <laughs> come back, you know, they're great. And I go to Provincetown a lot. We live pretty close to Provincetown, Mass. It's a really wonderful community. It's very gay. And, you know, when it's bear week, it's just so much fun because people are just out there being who they are, you know, and it's, it's not flat wash what is it called wash washboard abs washboard abs thank you paul yeah (laughs) i can't even say it right i don't even like it but yeah (laughs) so yeah i think if you have like grown up in a culture where youth is the only one that's revered yeah it's hard you have a lot ageism is really serious it is a serious thing that really puts people out and we have to really challenge it Mm-hmm. As we get older, we learn not just to stick it in, get it off, and fall asleep. Right, right, exactly. We exactly. learn how to make the whole body right. part of the sexual act. Right, and, and, and you know, you know and... that's so important. I'm so glad you said that. I don't even use the word foreplay anymore, because I feel like for some people that might be it you know you're having yeah. a great makeout session and that's where you're going and you're having a ball and it is yeah. serious makeout you know and and for somebody else the sort of build-up might be just a really good talk or a really good cry mm-hmm. or a really good cuddle or a really good laugh i know somebody who's really into tickling mm-hmm. and the tickle community is all about like how do i get off on that and that's not penetration that's tickle right that's oh, yeah <laughs> that's clearly something else so i remember um you know really wondering like are there enough other possibilities for people yes there are they are oh, limitless they're like a hot bubble bath together <laughs> there you go there you go and, and wash massage, each other in right. all those little hard to reach right. spots yeah or massaging those hard to reach spots uh-huh. or or chocolate or you know mm-hmm. some type of fruits that you just love so i think there's a I, there's another book in here, Gigi. I really believe that I have one more book, but I don't know if oh, I'm yeah. able to do it. But it's about when you're older, what are the things that really change in your sexual script that you didn't have time for when you were younger? Mm-hmm. And and one of them, I think I, I want to call one of them, you'll love this one, fish stew sex. Oh, wow. so, so you know how you put the fish stew on the stove and you let it simmer for a while and it gets better and better and better well if you put it on the stove and then you head upstairs and have a couple hours of a lot of fun upstairs when you come back down boy woo, the house smells great the <laughs> stove is just like splattered and it looks great and you have a great meal ahead of you so <laughs> I would like to say another part of sex as you get older. We have had such a hard life growing up to that age. And guess what sex does? It releases all kinds of good chemicals that help you feel happy and relieves some of the stress and brings you 
a greater sense of connection. Yeah, you're so and right. All that is yeah. released when you have good sex, whether totally. it's penetrative or just solo masturbation sex. Right. And it can happen even if you don't have an orgasm. Because for some people, exactly. having an orgasm isn't part of the repertoire. But, you know, Beverly Whipple, who is a really ingenious and interesting oh, sex researcher, is. love her. She and a bunch of her colleagues found that orgasm can produce the greatest pain relief. And because you're absolutely right, it really re releases endorphins, releases my favorite hormone or uh, neurotransmitter, oxytocin. People mm -hmm. call it the cuddle hormone. It's, uh, it's that feeling of having a cigarette afterwards, like, oh, I can finally relax. <laughs> and so that is an analgesic. It's better than Advil. It will really cure and my, you know, my joke is often if your partner says I have a headache, you can say, well, actually, honey, <laughs> I can cure that. But they may not like that. So don't say that Dr. Fleischman told you to say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I've been studying sex magic and uh, ancient sexual cults and religions. And one of the things that they called the fluids of both the male and female the waters of life oh interesting yes. that once you mix the two fluids together and imbibe in them it's the fountain of youth oh how great i love it and i think there's <laughs> some truth to it because to produce those fluids you have to get all those good chemicals going in your totally body. totally and when you do yeah. it, it makes you younger yeah yeah right and you know, you can, I mean, prostatic fluid, there's so much, there's so many more fluids, actually, yeah. that we could talk about. So that's very interesting. I wonder if anybody's done any research on that. Would that be great? It would be great. To yeah. See. I've never anything on that. But I, I do think that having good sex, a good sex life, and they, I have seen studies where people that have a good sex life their whole lives tend to live longer and are more adjusted and happy. Uh, i don't know about the uh, longevity rates but i do know that uh, quality of life and mental health actually uh, are both affected by a, a regular sexual activity throughout life mm -hmm. and anecdotally what i know is that many of our most revered sex educators and sex therapists live on to over a hundred so yeah. hey I'm look. I'm I'm working on it. I'm 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 there. <laughs> I just heard Dr. Ruth speak today. She's 92 and she's yeah, still. Wow. Yeah. She was flirting with the guy who was <laughs> interviewing her. I mean, she is amazing. Oh, she <laughs> is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I started listening to Dr. Ruth with my mom. You like did? we had to listen to her when my dad wasn't around because <laughs> he thought I was too young. But my mom in indulged me and I, I it was just uh, it was really interesting like I I had a very open relationship with my mom and we talked about sex quite a bit and that so I didn't grow up the way most people did thinking about it being gross for people my parents age to have sex and older right. you know because right. I already you know I was 12 when I started talking with my mom about her sex life and things like that and they, I think that was really good for me in the long run and really healthy and like helped me to 
have a different set of values. So when I did get to the age where kids were being like, ooh, that's gross, I was like, why is that gross? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Jane, I have a story I think you'll enjoy. I like Paul's story too. That was a good story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when my grandmother was alive, well, she graduated from Rice University, one of the first women to graduate in the early 20s. Wow. And while she never stated it outwardly, I think she was bisexual. Huh. Interesting. Was pretty rampant in the 20s. Yeah. Yeah. But I remember when when I was taking care of her towards she I guess it was about a few years before she started having difficulty, physical and mental dis problems. Mm -hmm. I took her out to a lesbian bar one night and she got this smile on her face and she said, wow. those women are beautiful. They are, and wow. they're so happy together. Wow. And I think she was kind of flashing back to the twenties when they, and my grandmother, when I was young, taught me the Charleston and some of the other dances. And cool. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But, That's so revelatory. It's so interesting that she would feel that open with you also. That's a really. Yeah. Well, we always connected. Amazing. Well. Yeah. The rest of the family was appalled that I'd take her to a lesbian bar. <laughs> and people, she was having fun. <laughs> oh, she had the best night. And, yeah, have parties and have some of my uh, bisexual and gay and lesbian friends over. And we did a Halloween party one night, and one of my guests was only wearing a fig leaf over <laughs> genitals. And she just looked and she said, That man is naked. <laughs> That's so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's really great. Uh well, you know, I did this um, TED talk three years ago called Is It Okay for Grandma to Have Sex? Mm -hmm. And and I should have, you know, I wish I'd talked to your, gra your grandma. Oh, <laughs> that would yeah. have been great. <laughs> oh, she was quite a character. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to ask you both a question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you feel that... I know you're in Texas, I'm in Massachusetts, so we've had different experiences with this pandemic, but mm -hmm. do you feel that we're going to get a new way of looking at sex and sexuality when we come out of this pandemic? Because you know how people are saying, we're going to go back to the way things used to be? No. No. <laughs> new normal, again, I don't know what that word means, no. But what do you, what do you all think about it? Because I'm I'm really interested. I don't want to go back to the way I was, but I've learned a lot this year. But I, I'm wondering, what, what are your perspectives on this? For me, I've been doing a virtual Aphrodite's temple once a month. It hadn't yes. caught on yet, but I'm hoping it will really catch on. Great. And one of the things that does translate well over the internet is doing some of the more spiritual sexuality components interesting. Interesting. doing some of the deep breathing together and doing the right. energy work right. the sexual energy work together right. and i think that once it catches on 
I think that's going to be one of the directions that we go in as a society, that it's going to bring open the doors to the spiritual sex. That is fantastic. I didn't expect you to say that. That's fantastic. (laughs) I I think, honestly, one of the things I'm hoping comes out of all of this as far as um, sexuality is concerned, I see this a lot in the communities that I run in because Burning Man pagan communities, these more open-minded, more uh, sex-positive spaces, things like that. But one thing that I'd like to see catch on with more of society is normalizing conversations and comfortable conversations around sexual health. And if you're going to hook up, which there's no problem, like I like promiscuous sex, but I always have an adult conversation beforehand about STIs and risks and barriers and, and, and also boundaries and what you like, what you not like, uh, you know, what might trigger you, things like that. And I'm hoping with this scare that everyone has had with a, a pandemic and diseases on their mind is the normalizing of those healthy adult conversations in a, in a comfortable way and in a non-judgmental way because I think that's something that I really would like to see a lot more in society and community and also not stigmatizing these things you know yeah about 10 percent of the population has herpes simplex too that's one out of every 10 people and they deserve to have a happy healthy sex life so people with hiv deserve to have a happy and healthy sex life and now like luckily there's prep and things like that right i don't think having an sti should be a thing that like make someone's sex life in but it's something that should be part of the conversation and it should be an honest and comfortable conversation and like oh we might have to take precautions like oh you know maybe the first few times we just do hand stuff maybe you know things like that and I'd like to see a healthier conversation around sexual health Mm. come out of this and back in the 80s and 90s i was having sex with people that were hiv positive but we did it very safely sure sure i had so many people that were hiv positive say you're one of the few people that will even embrace me right right and I, I thought that was so sad how stigmatized right. people were because right. of a disease. It's like, no, this isn't their fault. They got it. Right. They didn't do anything to earn that stigmatization. Right. I mean, I think you're you're both bringing up such really interesting points because we learned a lot from the HIV AIDS mm-hmm. epidemic, pandemic. I mean, we learned about safer sex, right? I mean, we yeah. learned to talk about sex and men who were having sex with men, actually, it sort of like became clear. Oh, okay, you might actually be having sex in your butt and this is important for us to talk about. You know, like mm-hmm. these are these are like really important items. And I think that's where so embraced the bisexual community because 
in the bisexual community, we have been so open from where to go. We had to be. We were the invisible right, right. ones. Right. And I, know, I know. But you know what's interesting about that? Like, mm-hmm. I think gay men have taught the rest of the world a lot. Bisexuals oh, yeah. have taught the rest of the world a lot. And now the CDC now says that if your viral load for HIV is so low that it's undetectable, that you are not transmissible. You cannot pass it along. Mm-hmm. Now, in the old days, nobody knew what the hell that, any of those terms meant. But with COVID, we understand transmission rates. We understand PPE, right? Nobody knew what PPE was before, except if you were working in occupational health, which is what I used to do years ago. But it's so interesting that now the world is changing a little bit about what these terms are. And you're right. We don't want to go back to stigmatizing. Like there used to be good AIDS, bad AIDS. Mm-hmm. There were people who got AIDS because they were hemophiliacs. Yeah. Or they were children who got a transmission of a transfusion of blood, and then they were bad AIDS, which was older people, gay men, bisexuals, etc. And I feel like this idea about COVID. I hope we don't get good COVID, bad COVID. I see we're having good COVID vaccine, bad COVID vaccine. Like I know people in other countries who feel as if, well, we're getting all the best vaccines and they're going to get the dregs and, you know, they're just going to get whatever's cheapest that they can, that their country can afford. That's going to be a real like divide right across the world. But, but I think what you're saying about sex being negotiated is really important. And the kink, leather, BDSM, pagan communities, have always wanted to negotiate and have consent around sex. That's what we do, right? But the rest of the world had to learn that. And so now I think we're we're at a point where maybe you're both, you know, hitting on something I hadn't thought about, which is we could really be on the verge of a new type of consent-based sexual revolution that is very different than what we saw in the 60s and 70s. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I think that the idea of communication really ties into your research as well, because, you know, when you're having sex with older people and they have different issues, lubrication issues, or totally. erection totally. issues, or totally. uh, a bad hip or mobility issues, things right. like that, it requires that conversation to happen first and so i think it's important in any scenario sexual health and uh mental health issues i know that i have certain triggers that come from past trauma i have chronic pain and physical pain and sometimes my knees are bad or my hip is bad it depends on the day and things like that so having that communication before sex and on, during and during on all and after levels <laughs> and after yes uh, right it's really really important that's great paul you know i talk about being prepared when you're older but it could be at any age so have your lube available have your 
whatever your protection is, if it's a dam or if it's a condom, make sure your sex toys are charged up and ready to go yeah. and they're not going to fall flat on you when you need them the most. Make sure you've got your, you know, your Bluetooth speaker and, you know, you've got your phone charged up with the best music. You know what I'm saying? Like, have mm-hmm. it all available. Have whatever pillows and wedges and toys and, and stuff that you really want to make sure is available. Have your tissues right there. <laughs> Don't just think, oh, yeah, well, We'll figure it out later. Yeah. Have it all arranged so you don't have to worry and that you can have that really luscious, wonderful, delectable conversation beforehand and then see the array of toys that are sitting there like, Ooh, what <laughs> shall we play with today, honey? And also knowing when your hormones are at the right level. So like, for instance, for many people, your testosterone levels will be highest in the morning. And maybe that's when your meds are kicking in for your pain relievers. So that might be a better time to have the array of the beautiful things that are sitting around you to have sex with. Don't wait till after you see the, you know, the movie and have the heavy dinner. And after the dinner and the heavy movie, a lot of older people just want to go to sleep. They don't want to have their sexy time at that point. So really be thoughtful about it and be communicative about it. I love your words. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that kind of flashed through my mind, and this is, I think that does have make a difference between someone that's young and inexperienced versus someone that's a little older. We've had those experiences. We know how to prep. Right. Whereas someone that's younger hadn't gotten the education yet on what do you need? How do you do it? How do you talk about it? Right. Right. And they never had those awful experiences where things aren't working and they feel terrible. Yeah. 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 But, you know, I think performance anxiety goes down as we age. I haven't studied that, but I anecdotally think that it's true because I think people don't have as much investment in performance. They do have an investment in making sure their body parts work. Yeah. Um, But I think, you know, we have to really start to give people a, a bit of a pass on performing i think performance is really overrated i think and we I need think, to have experience more and i think the there needs to be a shift instead of really shifting on a goal shift on just giving each other pleasure yeah thank you like the journey rather than the goal i am with you yeah I'm so there and yeah. i've said this on the show several times it's like how long does an orgasm last? Just a few moments. Right. But the journey there can right. be very pleasurable and it can last hours. That's right. That's right. I mean, so bef- before I started training with Gigi, um, I used to have uh, major problems with premature ejaculation. But even before that like i would talk to guys before who had the same problem and like a they like a lot of them didn't care because they got theirs which is a terrible way to think about things but also like the people who did felt so like bad because like oh i came and now what am i supposed to do you still have fingers you still have a tongue you still thank you. have thank you like, yeah. modern science has come a long way there's an array of toys there's right. so mm-hmm. much that you can do other than piv sex like right 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 or and, pia and, <laughs> right or pia i mean 
the heteronormative PIV intercourse is the prevailing notion of what sex is, right? Mm -hmm. And for a heterosexual couple, when the person with the penis can't get an erection anymore, they think it's done. They think they have no more sex life after that. And I say to them, no, wait a minute. Exactly what you just said, Paul. There's a whole wide possibility of fingers and tongues and heels and toes and all sorts of parts. Mm -hmm. And I would um, like to say, oh, go ahead. No, and for for older LGBTQ people, we may also have our own way that we thought sex had to happen. And but our fingers aren't working as well anymore. We've got some arthritis or our joints aren't working or there's some part of us that used to be the perfect thing that we used and now we can't use it anymore. So how can we now talk to those people and say, hey, you also had yourself kind of in this very narrow alley here and I wanna open up the door. I wanna open it up so that it can be a wider place for you to have fun and enjoy pleasure and have emergent pleasure, not just loss and sadness. Cause we're gonna have loss and sadness, but how do we have some pleasure with it? Oh yes. And I think that part of it is making that shift out of your brain the squirrel cage brain that's always yep. Yep. kind of picking at you and moving into your body and your intuitive side, right, the fantasy right. side, because right, even with, yeah. with debilitating physical issues, you can still have a very amazing fantasy. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. phone sex is very popular. And incorporating fantasy into what you're doing with your hands is amazing. Wow. Mm -hmm. And your bodies, it's incredible. So that's another way that you can. And also, there's so much really good sexually explicit material out there. There's mm -hmm. this porn that's being developed that isn't violent, that isn't misogynist, that isn't racist. And if you can get your hands on some good porn, you know, you're really supporting some good people and you can also support yourself. So, yeah. Do you know of some of the places you can get the good porn um yeah i have a actually i have a resource sheet i could send you oh that'd be great because yeah, i'd love to maybe yeah, we for should sure. do another show on just where to get good porn i know i know i just did you ever go to the alt sex conference in new york no i never have oh um, it's really good i went last year and i learned a lot and i've just done, done some of my own experimenting and learning so yeah there's there's a fair amount out there that's queer produced porn. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, cool. yeah. There's a festival that I've always wanted to go to in Seattle that's called the Hump Festival. Have you ever heard of it? I have. I have. Yeah. Dan and Savage. I, yeah. I yeah, I love the concept of it that like you have to produce something to go and like you watch it once and then every bit of it is destroyed. If you're not there, you don't see it right, right and like it doesn't get leaked out you know right right it's amazing yeah yeah and i know because it's dan savage there's lots of queer sex there's lots of right out there weird on the fringes right right exactly exactly well i think we're coming to the top of the hour do you have i any? think so yeah i was thinking the same thing i feel like do you have any we last... could talk we could talk for four more hours and oh, we could I end know. it here yeah right 
It's been wonderful having you on the show. And thanks a lot. Do you have any um, comments or yeah wisdom to well, kind of wrap up the show with? <laughs> I think I do. Um, a couple of things. It's been such a delight to be with the two of you this afternoon, this evening. Thank you so much. Mm. For those of you who are listening who are over the age of 50 or 60 and and consider yourselves older, try to hold on to that. Try to really feel the power and the wisdom in that. Your body has been through a lot and you've gotten this far somehow. Mm -hmm. And yeah, things may not be working as well as they used to, but thank God you're here and we need you and we want you to have pleasure for the rest of your days. And those of you who are younger, or don't embrace this idea of being older. Uh, my friend Joan Price calls you seniors in training. <laughs> <laughs> and she says that, you know, we all have a lot to learn from each other. And this idea of intergenerational learning is so important mm -hmm. and so valuable. We can learn so much more from each other. So if we can respect each other and the differences from where we came and, you know, where we're going, I think. Um, that will give us a huge amount of advantage to having our truly sense of pleasure in our older years. Because one of the things that I know is that we slow down a little bit as we get older. Mm -hmm. And slowing down is good for sex. It means that uh -huh. we can be more thoughtful about it. We can be more reflective and maybe more generous, right? Maybe more mm -hmm. generous to whomever we're with. So there's no expiration date on sex. Keep going. Keep having fun. And keep oh, getting I love pleasure. It. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Um, one, and Paul, the, well, oh. one last thing. Uh, so we've kind of sprinkled, sprinkled them uh, throughout, but what about things you have to plug? Your website, the name of your book again, other ways that uh, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Thank you. So I have this podcast, like you all, it's called ourbetterhalf.net www.ourbetterhalf.net. And it's really fun. It's all about sex in the latter part of life. We call it the better part of life. Mm -hmm. And I have people on the show all the time who are sex researchers and sex therapists, sex educators, people who are involved in some of the really kind of cutting edge parts of sexuality and aging, which I love. So that's fun. It comes out every two weeks. And if, you're, if your listeners want to subscribe, I would be very honored to have them as part of our listening audience. My book is available in all, in all independent bookstores. Don't buy it from Amazon, please. Yeah. Get it from, support your independent bookstore. Like, what's the name of that good bookstore? And are you near Dallas by any chance? No, we're in no. Houston. Oh, Houston. Okay. I don't know any of the bookstores there, but I'm sure there are some great feminist and otherwise independent bookstores in Houston. It's called The Stonewall Generation. And my, the publisher is Skinner House Press. And then the last thing I want to say is, if you want, if you had a personal question you want to ask me or something you want to ask me in private, um, you can go on my website and send me a confidential email there. It's just my name, www.janefleischman.com. And I love getting emails from people who are listening to stuff that I've said because it makes me feel like, good, I'm not sitting in here in my office all by myself. There's actually somebody out there. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait till COVID is over so I can, I would love to come to Houston and hang out with you too. So oh, that would be great. That'd be really cool. 
So yeah, those are, those are great. Thank you for asking me. And oh, yeah. I'm always happy to get people um, more education. Mm -hmm. Paul, do you have any last comments for the show? I, for, for me, it's been very interesting training under you, Gigi, because it's given me some insight into how to have sex when you're older. And, and because I've been with you as you've been going through your classes for sex coach you and, and things like that. And you, and listening to things that you're reading about and researching, it's, it's meant a lot to me to kind of further my knowledge about how sex can work like when you get older and and things like that so it's been a pleasure and i'm happy to have that education <laughs> and i think for me i love the whole bringing generations together and helping share our experience with younger people and teaching younger people, oh, here's some things you can do to spice up your love life now. Yeah. You don't have to wait till you're older. Yeah, exactly. And so learn from someone that's a little older and more experienced. And you can gain so much wisdom from some of the people that have been there and done it. And they can sometimes give you a shortcut because they've been through the school of hard knocks. You don't have to go through it and duplicate it. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Thank you both so much. And mm -hmm. thank you for joining us on our show. Mm -hmm. You have a good night. And for our listeners, enjoy those nocturnal emissions. <laughs> Experience your bodies. Amazing pleasure resides if you just reach in and touch yourself or your partner. Bring those pleasures forth. Have a good night. Good night. <laughs> good night. <laughs> I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual.